You're listening to the Plane Talking UK podcast, the UK-based podcast written by a passenger for anyone. And here are your hosts, Carl Stebbings and Matt Smith. Well, hello and welcome to episode number 105 of the Plane Talking UK podcast. I'm Carl Stebbings and not joining me in the conservatory studio this week is Matt Smith because he's not here. He is sunning himself he is drinking tequilas, margaritas, and other <laughs> massively famous cocktails, which I can't mention because this is a uh, a, uh, a early family morning, show. Morning, yeah. Uh, yeah. So all the way from uh, Scotland, Matt, hello. Good morning, good morning. I, I do take slight humbrage at the fact that you're saying it's sunny and glorious because whilst this is probably one of the nicest parts of the world I think I've ever been, it has done nothing but rain <laughs> since we got here. So I have a feeling that I may actually come home slightly more palier and pastier than when I left. <laughs> oh. oh, okay. So we, we, we've had a few people ask them, Matt, how did you get yes. up to Scotland? Did you, did you take the coach? Was it an aircraft or did you drive? <laughs> I know I'm going to get absolutely slaughtered for this, but I'm afraid we drove to Scotland oh, from Mickles. How yes. boring. <laughs> absolutely. Yeah, no, we, it was, uh, to be fair, actually, uh, and also driving on Easter weekend, which um, perhaps wasn't the most sensible thing to do because we actually left for Thursday night and stopped in Doncaster overnight and then carried on uh, sort of Thursday, uh, Friday morning, sorry, and then came up here. And as you can imagine, uh, a little bit nervous doing it with. Um, well, Easter traffic, frankly. So, uh, we, but we were we 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 got held up by for about an hour. So, really, in the grand scheme of things, we're really quite lucky. Uh, I know uh, one of my friends has gone to Wales, uh, and they drove, and they sat on the A14 for over two hours. So, uh, I, I consider myself very lucky to only be uh, delayed by about uh, an hour for <laughs> what was it, uh, 462 miles. So, yeah, not bad, really. Oh, you done well. You done well. But at least uh, you've managed to get some sort of uh, Wi-Fi. I am um, uh, internet mm. kind of, kind of yeah. broadband because for those it is, for it those is you susceptible. Le- we, we, you and I were testing it last night. Yeah, I was just going to say funny. I looked like a Minecraft video. <laughs> it was hilarious, um, but uh, we'll have to see. As I say, so apologies if I do disappear. Oh, hello. Oh, hello. <laughs> I don't know what that was. Anyway, that's, that's uh, yeah, so apologies if I drop out. We do have Pip lined up just in case uh, I should fall yeah. off air. So yeah. uh, <laughs> yes, we have a plan B just in case. So then we are here then. It is the 26th of March and the time is just coming up to 10 past 10 in the morning here in the UK. Episode 105, we've got uh, quite a few news, news stories to get through this week. We've got lots of people in the chat room this morning already, with some of, the, some of those who joined at least half an hour before we started, which is really nice of them. Uh, yeah, great. Uh, hats off to you all. So uh, Myla's in the chat room, good morning to you. Paul Trickers in there, Neville Bounds. And uh, we've got uh, Micah, the main man, Mike, is in the chat room as well. It's really early where he is, and he's only had uh, four hours of sleep, I think, so uh, he's uh, slightly tired. Um, who else we've got here? We've got um, David Corson's in there as well. Uh, hello to you, David. Uh, Glenn Towler, and we're moving down here the list to try and get you all in before we kick off. Graham Haley, good morning to you, Graham. Um, there we go, so all in the chat room there and uh, hopefully we're going to have a good show. For those of you who uh, watched the latest APG show will know that um, 
Yeah, I was on there yesterday as a, as a guest co-host, which is yeah, really we are fun. no longer worthy. Yeah, I mean, it hasn't it hasn't gone to your head or anything, has it, by any chance? No, not at all. <laughs> <laughs> Listening to one of the biggest aviation, be, being involved in one of the most oh, big, no. on one of the biggest aviation shows in the world. Oh, it was great you, fun. You, it was great fun. You've, you've remained grounded, have yeah, you? You, yeah, you have yeah. You haven't ordered your lackeys and your other such. No, no, no I did yeah. bore the wife. Actually, with actually it while we're now. mentioning that, we should say a big thanks to Neville last week for stepping in at the last minute. Um, for helping us out with, with last week's show. Um, he did a sterling job, did he not? Oh, yes. Yeah, yeah. Thanks, thanks to you, Neville, for that. Uh, mm. we're, uh, we've, we've got, we've got the, we sort of a few bits in the pipeline for obviously guests in the next coming up, you know, coming episodes and stuff. But we are going to... Um, there's a couple of our, our chat room uh, uh, people there. We're going to grab one of those every now and again and bring them on the show. Especially, especially those those who fly planes. And you know who you are in the chat room. Anyway, right, we better kick off things with the news then, haven't we, Matt? Yes, I think we should, yes. Yep, so we're going to start the show then, as we do, uh, with our rundown of the weekly news from around the world and the UK and Scotland. So if you're ready, Matt... <laughs> <laughs> yes, I'm very much ready. Let's go. So kicking off this week's first news story then on the Business Traveller website and uh, the headline Airbus launches airspace cabin design. So Airbus has unveiled its latest airspace cabin brand which will debut on the manufacturer's A330neo aircraft. Airbus, uh, airspace by Airbus has been designed around four key pillars, comfort, ambience, service and design and will offer a sophisticated flexible canvas as a backdrop to enhance the airline's own brands. Enhanced features will include larger overhead storage bins, spacious uh, contemporary lavatories, wider seats, uh, 18 inches in economy and aisles and unobstructed under-seat foot space. Airbus has said that the new airspace cabins will be more relaxing, inspiring and beautiful and functional and will stimulate a unique and leading passenger experience. Other new features include the latest LED technology, ambient lighting as well as clean straight lines, shapes and clear surfaces. Also a unique uh, customizable welcome area as well. Uh, toilets will feature antibacterial surfaces and touchless flushing and taps and discreet aroma dispensers oh something i hate my wife does out in our house is horrible things <laughs> and soothing ambient sounds the manufacturer says the cabin design for its uh, forthcoming a330 neo aircraft embodies airspace by airbus and is inspired by the cabin of its wide-body sibling the new x uh, a350xwb and Airbus has also launched a microsite with more details on, and uh, you can go to that at airspace.airbus.com, uh, and you can see more about that on there. But uh, if uh, we can bring up the pictures there on the screen, you'll be able yes, to see... Yes, bring up um, that second one, especially that second picture. There looks, we go. Uh, it looks like, looks like the Starship Enterprise, doesn't it, with its sort of, um, sort of curved seats and stuff. It's, a, it's an amazing picture. Yeah, because Boeing had their released their sky interior a few years back, mm. where they had the, the larger overhead bins, the nice lighting, and the and stuff like that. So uh, Airbus has obviously um, 
you know, they're trying to bring in a, a new kind of look to the interior of their aircraft. But it does look really nice, mm. I will say. I love the uh, I love the colours. It does, yeah. Um, and I'm not normally a fan of LED lighting, if I'm honest. I always mm. find it a bit sort of clinical, do you know what I mean? Because it's like bright white rather than sort of like warm white, which is what we're used to in our sort of domestic environments. But uh, as I say, I mean, they, it does... It, it really does look like the the bridge from the Starship Enterprise, doesn't yeah. it? Yeah, they definitely look definitely look more roomy. I mean, the picture there, the, the top mm. picture there with the uh, economy seats in, it looks like there's tons of room there, um, especially mm. yeah, especially the front row seats there. But um, that's probably just a mock up yeah. uh, picture demonstration picture. But uh, no, it does look very nice. S so this is actually a, what they call a wide body aircraft, isn't it? Which is yeah. why so many. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah but uh, no, it looks Lovely. good. So we'll look forward to uh, to them when me and Matt win the lotto, flying on. Uh, one Obviously, of those. absolutely, yeah, absolutely. We'll have to hire our own private pilot to run us around to these various yeah. air shows, won't we? Yeah, we'll get Pip, <laughs> Pip and Al. We'll get Pip and Al. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, yeah. You, you got yeah. So uh, yeah, that, the only thing is, is, there will be an argument about who's first officer and who's the captain. Well, though. Al is the Airbus pilot. Captain Al is the oh, A321 pilot, oh. yeah, so he'll, he'll have to fly this one, being us in the Airbus product. So right. Pip, oh, Pip I'm sure it, would, it wouldn't take long for Pip get his flight rating, his, his, his um, type <laughs> rating, though, I'm sure, <laughs> especially if he's got one to fly. <laughs> <laughs> oh, but we better move on to the next story. Okay, all right then. Yeah, the next story, as usual, falls with me, as it's a Ryanair story. Uh, it's Market Watch is the website, and the headline is Ryanair finds that niceness pays off. Uh, this is uh, obviously Dublin-based, so it's Ryanair Holdings PLC, Europe's biggest no-frills budget carrier has carried out what uh, has pulled out what was uh, starting to look like a bit of a tailspin uh, chief executive michael o'leary's unorthodox strategy for the recovery being nice to passengers mr o'leary and ryanair helped pioneer the rock bottom budget airline taking a page from southwest airlines in the u.s but going much further it offers some of the lowest airfares in europe sometimes as low as 15 dollars one way across europe uh, it does that by keeping operating costs low spending minimally on cabin decor for example and charging for almost everything on top of that price of a ticket mr o'leary has been the airline's best known spokesman for years with his no frills apology to marketing uh, once uh, he once defended ryanair's uh, 70 euro which is about 75 dollars penalty fee for passengers who show up at the airport without a boarding pass saying uh, they were being so stupid the fee is now 45 euros for airport check-in uh, uh, he has in the past proposed a standing room only cabin and a charge of one British pound for using the in-flight toilet. Uh, the no-frills model, uh, once, uh, sorry, the once novel but now widely uh, mimicked, has turned the 32-year-old Ryanair into Europe's second biggest airline by passengers flown behind Deutsche Lufthansa AG. Ryanair's long-haul competitors still uh, outdistance it in terms of passenger miles, a closely, f uh, closely followed metric that uh, also takes into consideration journey distances. In 2013, a price war with full-service carriers and upstart budget air airlines alike uh, threatened that success. A pair of rapid-fire profit warning spooked investors who worried Ryanair might struggle to keep costs low amid all the new competition. 
The headwinds were similar uh, to those now hitting US-based carrier Spirit Airlines, Inc. Uh, Spirit's new COA, uh, CEO sorry, has said the carrier is working to address customer complaints and make its operations more reliable. To win back customers, Mr. O'Leary relaxed uh, onerous uh, hand luggage restrictions and redesigned Ryanair's cumbersome website. It cut fees and told staff to be less confrontational. The airline has also made headlines by dropping its trade Mark Bugle Call, which it blasted throughout cabins each time an aircraft arrived on time. The practice, amusing at first, had started to annoy passengers. Standing room only and charging for toilets was a great PR wheeze when we were young, dumb and growing rapidly, Mr O'Leary said in an interview. But after rivals started painting the moves as cheap and nasty, the laddish noise was dis- uh, that was displacing the great fares, brilliant punctuality and the new aircraft, he said. Passengers responded in 2013. Uh, passenger growth was stuck at 1% to 3% some months um, with... Uh, as much as 20% of seats unsold. This year, monthly growth is climbing by 10% or more. Full-year results are due in May, and Ryanair expects passengers to hit 106 million, around 6% more than forecast. Ryanair's load factor, a measure of seats sold, should average at least 92% this year. That's mm. up from 83% in March 2014. I mean, there's, there's, no, there's no denying everybody... Uh, everybody uses Ryanair at some point, don't they? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. This just proves it, really. Well, we've covered the story last week, didn't we, where we had uh, the growing figures yeah. each month with more and more people using the the uh, you know the Ryanair and stuff. So it um, they're yeah. obviously doing... They're, they are trying to improve their look, their overall <laughs> look, I think. Yeah. Um, I, I didn't. I have to confess, I didn't find the fanfare particularly cheesy. I mean, it used to literally put a smile <laughs> on my face every time they did it. I mean, I I didn't get offended by it. And they and of course, I think we played it out, didn't we? Because you you managed to find yeah, a copy yeah, of what did, they yeah. play out now. So that, I mean, it's not so much the fanfare, but they still play an announcement if the flight arrives on time, don't they? They do. I yeah, don't know. Very much I'll, so. I'll have to ask Auntie Wendy because Auntie Wendy arrived at Stansted uh, on on Thursday. But, um, oh, yeah, because she flew with Ryanair, didn't she? Yeah. She did. She mm. did, yes, absolutely. Oh, good on her. So next story yeah. on BBC News website. And this and is a follow-up, I think, yeah. you were saying, wasn't it? So we yeah, covered, we, um, yeah, we had a story, didn't we, Matt, a few, was it a week or two, a couple of episodes ago, I think it was, we had the story about the air bridge being built at Birmingham Airport, ready for the A330. Uh, so the headline A380 Dream uh, A380 airliner to fly from Birmingham Airport. Uh, the world's biggest passenger airliner has flown into Birmingham Airport ahead of new daily flight schedule from the West Midlands. The A380 will operate on a route uh, run by Middle Eastern airline Emirates between Birmingham and Dubai from Easter Sunday, which is tomorrow. The aircraft will fly or can fly 15,200 uh, kilometres or 9,995 miles and carry 600 passengers. Wow. Uh, bosses uh, hope its arrival can help the airport to keep expanding and serve more passengers. Bob Graham, Airport Operations Director, said that uh, £1 million had been spent on the infrastructure needed to host the plane. He said the uh, new service was a fantastic opportunity to bring uh, more passengers to the airport which handled 10 million passengers in 2018 and uh, also bringing more jobs to the region as well 
It's the most prestigious aircraft that's currently around, he said. Craig Burrows from Emirates said the challenge is trying to return the aircraft around safely and securely. We need extra ground service equipment, which we have uh, to ensure gets on the aircraft safely, and there's more fuel uplift and a lot more baggage to be carried on the aircraft due to its bigger size and number of passengers. They've got uh, some interesting stats there, haven't they, actually? Yeah, the, uh, the, the aircraft, the A380, for those of you who don't know, is uh, nearly 240 feet long, or 72.72 metres, and 260 wow. feet wide, uh, which is 79.25 uh, <laughs> metres. Uh, it weighs, uh, comes in at weighing 566 tonnes, uh, with the paint on the aircraft alone weighing more than half a tonne. Uh, the plane has a flying range, as we said, of 9,995 miles. It was first introduced into service in 2007 and carries more than 540 passengers across two decks. Uh, the A380 first flew to Birmingham in 2009 to mark the airport's 70th anniversary. Uh, so that would be good for anyone who's travelling from, uh, from there on, or tomorrow on Easter, uh, Easter Sunday. Uh, mm. You'll be able to travel on the 380 to, uh, to Dubai. Um, wow! But yeah, that's a great aircraft. Well, that is, I do like the A380. Had, have you, uh, you haven't been on one yet? Have yeah, you? yeah, yeah. We've uh, we've oh, have you? travelled on a few Emirates ones now, and uh, and one of Qantas's uh, uh, A380s from uh, Dubai. Yeah, yeah, really good aircraft and uh, lots of room. Definitely recommend that to uh, anyone listening to uh, book a flight. And make sure it's on a 380 just to experience uh, the world's <laughs> biggest air, uh, aircraft. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Anyway, on to the next story. Uh, this is on the Breaking Travel News website, and the headline is Air Europa welcomes first Boeing Dreamliner to the fleet. Air Europa is celebrating the delivery of the carrier's first Boeing 787 Dreamliner. Air Europa takes delivery of its first 787 following a ceremony held at Boeing 787 assembly site in North Charleston in South Carolina. Air Europa leased its first 787 through an agreement with SMBC aviation capital. The delivery is also the first Dreamliner to SMBC uh, Aviation Capital. This delivery begins a new chapter in Air Europa's story. The state-of-the-art 787 Dreamliner will provide us with significant operational advantages as we aim to expand our footprint around the globe, said um, some person. Um, <laughs> Juan Ho Jose... Juan, Juan, Juan Jose. Juan. Juan Jose Hidalgo. Uh, Hidalgo. 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 Anyway, <laughs> anyway, Juan said uh, that uh, additionally, uh, it's an airplane that will offer our passengers an unrivaled onboard experience and arrive at their holiday destination feeling refreshed. The 787 is a family of technologically advanced, super efficient aeroplanes with new passenger pleasing features. In addition to bringing big jet ranges to mid sized airplanes, the 787 will provide Air Europa with unmatched fuel efficiency and environmental performance using 20 to 25 percent less fuel and with 20 to 25 percent fewer emissions than the aircraft it replaces. Air Europa announced an order for 14 of the 787-9 Dreamliners in 2015, the largest ever Boeing wide-body order from a Spanish carrier. Air Europa now has a combined total of 22 787-8s and 787-9s on order as it continues its transition to an all-Boeing long-haul fleet. I remember years ago, Matt, flying to Yugoslavia 
Uh, but this was back in the days when Air Europa were called Air Europe. Ah, uh, yes. Uh, yeah. If you remember, if you have, those of you in the chat might have heard of Air Europe. This is going back mm. uh, kind of like to the 80s and that when uh, when they were quite big in the sort of package holiday kind of thing. Um, but yeah, I can remember flying flying with these guys, and the uh, the delivery was completely different then. It was kind of an orangey red color. Really? But, uh, no, it's nice to see these guys have got uh, some new aircraft now. Um, they've got 44 destinations in their um, in their books, um, with uh, with quite a nice uh, fleet growing with uh, with new aircraft. But uh, yeah, they're um, doing really well. Indeed. Yeah, it's no, good. it's good. It's good. It's, it's nice to hear uh, positive stories and things. I mean, we quite often say, don't we, that it's like you, you, we read a story involving Airbus and then like next week we then read a story how, you know, the Boeing are doing quite well. I think. You do feel a little bit sorry perhaps for some of the other uh, airplane manufacturers around it because you, you don't really hear those, those that many of, you know, great stories like this, if you like, um, yeah. for some of the smaller um, craft. And they've got a shame, quite a mixed really. fleet as I'm well. Sure that, I'm sure the... Uh, Chat room will disagree with me on that. But. <laughs> no, they, they have got uh, their current fleet is quite mixed, actually, Matt. They've got they've yeah. got Airbus, they've got uh, ATR aircraft, Boeing, uh, Embraer yeah. as well. They've got quite a mix sort of uh, ah. mix of fleet, uh, but no, good on them. So no, moving no on, lock, no Lockheed's. In no, there. no, no. Oh, for you, I oh, don't. No. <laughs> uh, we talked about that yesterday on ABG, but anyway, that's another story. Uh, oh, okay, breaking okay. news: travel site, the next one, <laughs> and um, Jet Airways to launch non-stop flights from Amsterdam to India. So Jet Airways well, news for us from Norwich, then, isn't it? Oh yeah, because that's our, that's one of our hubs that we can fly to, isn't it, from Norwich? That's right. Yeah. So Jet Airways will launch daily non-stop flights from Amsterdam to offer significantly enhanced connectivity between Europe and the United States and India via the Netherlands. Effective March the 27th, Jet Airways will operate two daily non-stop flights from Amsterdam uh, Schiphol Airport uh, to each uh, of its hubs in Mumbai and New Delhi. Uh, Jet Airways will also operate a daily flight to Toronto from Amsterdam and schedules of all three flights have been planned to allow quick and convenient connections between India and Toronto via Amsterdam. Jet Airways also uh, entered into a code-share partnership with KLM, Royal Dutch Airlines, and Delta Airlines to provide convenient connections for passengers to and from key destinations across Europe and North America via Amsterdam. The partnership will enable customers to enjoy enhanced connectivity and seamless travel throughout the combined networks of Jet Airways, KLM and Delta. Naresh Goyal, chairman of Jet Airways, said that we are delighted to announce the launch of our new services to Amsterdam. And India's trade relations with the Netherlands go back over 400 years and have continued to prosper in the modern age. The recent meeting between the uh, uh, Netherlands or the Prime Minister of India and the Netherlands has uh, given a new impetus to this relationship. The new direct services by Jet Airways will facilitate greater engagement and cooperation between India and the Netherlands. As one of the fastest growing economies in the world, India has emerged as a key destination. That's good news. If yeah, definitely good news mm. if you want to fly because uh, India is one of those places where I've always wanted to go. I know uh, me and uh, yeah, I, I'd really like to. I think I think it's one of those where you got to make sure you take plenty of diacalm with you. Um, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's uh, it, it is a, it's a fascinating culture, isn't it? And I, I, it's one of those things that it is on my to do list actually, uh, somewhere to sort of experience. Um, I mean, uh, you know, we we think we're poor here, here in this country, uh, but I mean, you know, I mean, poverty is a is a serious thing, isn't it? 
especially out there. <laughs> Mike is uh, going back to the Dreamliner. Mike has just he's put in the chat room that uh, Mike has put a family of burning battery powered aircraft, the uh, seven eight seven, obviously attaining to the battery issues that the uh, Dreamliner. Uh, yes, had. yes, yeah. <laughs> that was uh, that was uh, they were uh, they were nickel hydride fuel uh, cells, weren't they? Um, they're. Um, they were basically mobile, mobile phone mobile styles phone, of yeah. um, battery. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And they were because I mean, well, as you know, I mean, phones are prone to getting very, very hot um, if they're made to work quite hard, aren't they? And I guess it's the same in 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 that. But they've solved it. It's all good now, isn't it? <laughs> and also, Evan Evan Shue has put in the chat room. He said that uh, he he is one of his uh, travel agents that he uses as an av geek, so it helps because he's always booked into a window seat wherever he goes anywhere. Which is always handy. Uh, it's always good to have someone. In the you should know. always be. You should always be nice to your travel agent. You'll be, you know, it's it's, it's always worth it. You get better deals that way. I find. <laughs> anyway, on to the next, next story. story. This is on. You up? No, carry on. <laughs> Okay. Oh, my apologies. Sorry. Sorry. It's, it's the joys of the delay, isn't it? Sorry, I'll, I'll just carry on. Carry so it's the breaking travel news website again, and the headline is British Airways flies into Cape Town, South Africa. British Airways' newest route from Gatwick means you'll be able to leave it all behind for Cape Town and enjoy an adventurous break in the spectacular South African city. From November the 24th, the airline customers will be able to soak up the Table Mountain's stunning views, explore the Cape Peninsula, or meander up the great beautiful garden route with three direct flights a week from Gatwick. The new winter-only Gatwick flights will increase choice for customers who can already choose to fly to Cape Town from Heathrow, where the airline offers two flights a day. Uh, Lynn Embleton, British Airways Managing Director at Gatwick, said it, with its fantastic blend of nature, culture, wildlife and history, there's nowhere quite like Cape Town. Its dramatic coastline, the breathtaking views from Table and world-renowned vineyards and restaurants make it one of the most beautiful places, uh, most popular and beautiful places in Africa to visit and explore. We are incredibly excited to be the only airline to offer direct services from both Gatwick and Heathrow to this hugely popular destination, while adding another long-haul route to our rapidly growing network. The three flights will depart on Mondays, Thursdays and Saturdays at uh, 6pm, arriving in Cape Town at uh, 10 to 8 the following morning. From winter 2016, British Airways will add a fourth uh, three-class Boeing 777 aircraft to its Gatwick fleet, uh, bringing the total number of Boeing 777s at London Air at at the London airport to 12. Cape Town is one of four long-haul destinations that British Airways is launching from Gatwick this year with flights to Costa Rica starting on the 27th of April, daily flights to New York JFK beginning on the 1st of May and flights to Lima in Peru commencing on the 4th of May. May the 4th be with you. <laughs> Sorry. That'll be a Star Wars reference. Very good, Me very and Bert good. will get that one, yes. Yes, yes. So yes. Kate, How, how's he doing? How's he doing, by the way? My, oh, my, yeah, my, yeah. He, he's doing very well. He's doing very well. Yeah. <laughs> we'll, we'll, he's, he's staying, staying at the limelight for a bit. We're going to give him a mention at the end of the show, though. Okay. All right. It's all right. I should get abusive text messages shortly. I, fortunately, <laughs> I have my phone on um, airplane mode, so I won't get them till afterwards. <laughs> no, I've just sent you a message on WhatsApp as well. Okay, not to worry. <laughs> all right. Hang on. <laughs> You'll leave get it that. With me. You, you so, do the next story. Next story, then. Carry Moving on. on. And. Uh, <laughs> 
The next story is on Flight Global site and uh, the headline, Bottom Line on Economy Class Seats. Bottom Line, that's quite a good uh, headline, I like that. Economy Class uh, airline seats have remained largely unchanged in air designs over the years, but uh, there are signs a change is afoot. New entrants on the seat manufacturing scene are seeking to shake things up with radical ideas that challenge the status quo and are capturing the attention of judging panels and airlines alike. Wales-based as in Wales in the UK here, based uh, Rebel Aero, which manage, uh, managing director Gareth Burks describes as being not only rebel by name, but rebel by nature, is one such upstart. The company has designed a seat it says will rewrite the standards for space, comfort and safety by enabling passengers to fold up the base and adopt a standing position during their flight to stretch their legs. Is that like a, that's like a cinema seat, isn't it, Matt? Yeah, I'm I can't like a bring story seat. for some reason because okay. uh, it's 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 blocked me out. It's asking me to sign in for some reason. <laughs> oh, on Flight Global, yeah, you need to sign yes. in with our uh, account. I yeah, know, I did know that. Yeah, so that see, yeah, seats like that, they'd be like I'm a bit sure like. I'm sure it's um, I'll, I'll watch it later. It'll okay. Be fine. Uh, the safety aspect comes in the form of a three-point harness, which Burke says will in, uh, will, uh, was built into the design following the July 2013 crash landing of the Asiana Flight 214 in San Francisco. While the majority of the passengers survived the impact, many were left with spinal injuries, which some believe could have been minimised had the seats been fitted with something more substantial than a lap belt. By incorporating uh, pre-certified AMSAFE three-point restraints into its seats, Rebel Aero believes passengers will be more protected laterally and less likely to hit the seat in front in the event of an impact. Personally, I wouldn't get in a car with just a lap belt, and I don't think anyone else would either, says Burks. To enable the seat to transform into what the company calls its booster uh, format, the bases are divided into two parts. The uh, rear part is fixed and the front half pivots and folds back into the rear half, says Burks. This not only provides a ledge to enable passengers to adopt more of a standing position during the flight, but also gives more space inside the rows for when passengers are entering and preparing to exit the aircraft. Passengers can stand while taking their coats off, speeding up the boarding process, says Burks. Rebel Aero launched its uh, concept for the seat during, uh, during or dubbed it S2 at the Aircraft Interiors Expo in Hamburg last year. This uh, year it aims to return with a fully or almost fully certified seat that it hopes uh, will enter service with a launch customer within 12 months. The company is also hoping to pick up a Crystal Cabin Award for the seat after being selected as a finalist in the Passenger Comfort Hardware category. This is quite interesting, Matt. If you had a seat where you could uh, fold up the, the the base, like a like a cinema style seat, it mm, would yeah. make make for one heck of a lot more room when you're you know taking your coat off and your and bits and pieces and doing things. Well, yeah, and then it, as you say, you can stand up and then you can at least move back so people can get to their seat a lot yeah. easier, can't they? So I know. that's a great idea. Although I, I I have mixed feelings about this whole lap belt complaint. Because the majority of coaches and stuff do, do actually have lap belts as opposed to what they call a three-point seat belt. So, uh, I mean, at the end of the day, its job is to sort of stop you from being thrown forward. I mean, a lap belt does just as good a job, doesn't it? I yeah, mean, I think I it's just know. to stop the top half of your body going forward. Um, right, yeah. yeah that's that's so. what they're on about, the, the, you know, the top half of your body flying forward and hit your head hitting the seat in front. Which mm. on uh, some uh, economy class uh, cabins and some aircraft would be about three inches in front of your head. Well, yeah, I suppose that's <laughs> true. Yeah. <laughs> oh dear. Yeah. No. I think I, I see. I see what you mean. Oh, oh. oh dear. I, I don't. I don't know how you'd retrofit three-point seat belts though. 
Hmm. No, that would anyway, be. Sorry, I'm, I'm not thinking about aeropl- I'm not thinking about airplanes now. Oh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> Okay, so moving on <laughs> to the next story. To, to, put, to put that right, I shall move on to the next story. Yes. And this is on a website that is just, just calls itself Flying. So it's flyingmag.com. And the headline is, and this is a really fascinating looking story, this is Science Teacher Plans First Coast-to-Coast Biofuel Flight. First transcontinental flight using aviation biofuel in a certified light aircraft. High school science teacher Ross McCurdy is planning the first transcontinental flight using aviation biofuel biofuel in a certified light aircraft. McCurdy will launch from North Central Airport near Providence, is it Providence? Sorry, Mm. in Rhode Island anyway, in a Cessna 182 around April the 16th to fly 2,500 nautical miles to Santa Monica in California. He'll depart from Santa Monica on Earth Day, that's April the 22nd. Along the way, McCurdy will host events to promote clean energy aviation and science education. His 12-year-old son will accompany him on the road trip. How cool is that going to be? Along with several other pilots who will join for portions of the flight. Most of the members of the the Paramus or yeah, the Paramus Flying Club, uh, which owns the plane. McCurdy has has planned stops at University Park Airport in Pennsylvania, uh, Moraine Airport in Ohio, Walnut Ridge Regional Airport in Ar- Arkansas, uh, Grand Prairie uh, Municipal Airport in Texas, uh, Donna Anna County Airport in New Mexico and Chandler Municipal Airport in Arizona and has stashed his special fuel blend at each airport. The fuel, a 50-50 blend of biofuel made from used cooking oil and uh, a a jet um, and jet A will uh, fuel the Cessna 182 SMA aviation diesel engine. This engine is also uh, 30 to 40% more efficient than the Avgas burning stock engine it replaced. With 50% of the fuel made from used cooking oil, the emissions and carbon footprint is significantly lower, so it is better for the environment, according to the project's website. Increasing efficiency, uh, increasing energy efficiency, and using renewable energy are the keys to a sustainable future. The coast to coast biofuel airplane project will clearly demonstrate this to promote renewable energy aviation and the excitement of the real world science education well i mean good on him it's nice to have uh, a science teacher actually sort of living the dream to a degree isn't it where he's uh, he's literally practicing what he preaches it's quite good yeah i like this biofuel thing i've just been yes. looking at and a it's Cessna, so you must be ever so excited. oh yeah yes definitely <laughs> <laughs> Don't we? It, there are. There, I think there are coaches and buses in the UK here that, that have a kind of biofuely type thing. Yeah, I mean, the, the London ones work slightly differently in the fact that they use. Um, they're basically electric buses, but they use um, like a, like engines, if you like, to generate the electricity um, to keep the battery levels topped up, <laughs> um, which apparently is a lot more efficient. It seems a bit bizarre, doesn't it? Um, but I wish uh, you could see the chat room, Matt. Uh-oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> I'm a bit frightened. I know. It, it, <laughs> Glenn Towler's just put flying with the smell of hot chips. Uh, that'd be quite nice. Mm, oh, yeah. yes. Actually, actually, you say that. A, a firm that um, I used to work for, I should stress, used 
to work for um, used to do exactly that, and they because they had diesel engines obviously in their vehicle, and they used to use um, chip fat oil in their machine, and I've never smelled anything more horrific in my entire <laughs> life. Um, so uh, he's not actually lying when he says that. That is just I, I, I can exactly see what he means, and, and it has brought back terrible memories. I won't lie of the firm that I used to work for. So happy days. It would be <laughs> nice, I think, to stand. It would be nice to stand at an airport and kind of, of see you know see one of these big A380s taking off and having the smell of sort of scampi and uh, cod and, and, you know, some chips. <laughs> or... <laughs> yeah, maybe not. Um, no. no. <laughs> oh, dear. No, okay. <laughs> so moving okay, on. We'll over Next story. On, yeah. <laughs> oh, no, I'll just skip. I'll, I'll, just, oh, I'll just accidentally ditch that last story. Hold on, let me go. Let me go. Okay, all right. I've got it. Don't panic. You've got it. Okay, yeah. yeah. It's just frantically loading up now. There we go. It's back on. So the next story then on the flying website is uh, the Airlander 10 gets ready to fly. Um, for those who don't know, the Airlander 10 is being uh, produced in the UK. And it's uh, it's kind of a, like a hybrid air vehicle. Uh, looks a bit like an air, like an like an airship, I suppose you could say, Matt, um, with an engine on the yeah, back. So the new airship um, aircraft called Airlander 10, produced out of Great Britain by hybrid air vehicles, is being ready for its first flight, which the company hopes to achieve this spring. The engine's uh, fuel module payload beam um, added uh, to carry extra external cargo f- uh, fins are what the company has termed the mission module. Termed the mission module. The cockpit and payload bay were recently attached to the Airlander 10's main hull and the engines are now in the process of being tested um, in preparation for the first flight. As the company's name implies, the Airlander 10 is designed as a hybrid aircraft, attaining 60% of its lift uh, from its lighter-than-air structure and 40% from its aerodynamic shapes and vectored propulsion. Uh, the hybrid air vehicle claims the 302 feet long, 143 feet wide and 85 feet tail aircraft uh, will or tall aircraft will be capable of uh, hovering and landing on its own retractable skids on nearby or any other surface, including ice and water and sand. The main structure of the airlander is composed of a material made from layers of fabric, uh, tedlar and mylar that forms uh, a rigid structure when filled with helium. The mission module, uh, fuel module, ducts and engine... Is that your phone, Matt? Beeping there? <laughs> yes, it is. Sorry, it is. Apologies. Yeah, I've moved it. So the fuel module, ducts and engine support are constructed from a carbon composite material. The aircraft is powered by a 350-horsepower turbocharged diesel engine, uh, two of these up front and two at the rear, capable of bringing the aircraft to as high as 20,000 feet. The configuration of the engines allows uh, for thrust vectoring as well. However, being so massive, the Airlander 10's speed is projected to be restricted to around 80 knots. So if we can bring that picture on the screen there, for those of you in the chat room, you'll be able to see, there we go, the picture of the Airlander 10, uh, which looks it looks huge. This is massive, massive, massive. I mean, the hangar is fairly thing, big here. Um, I, I'm really excited to see that it's actually being made here in the UK as well. I mean, I this is just this is just great. It really is. I mean, it's. I'm not sure it's the prettiest aircraft I've ever seen. No, uh, um, I've, I've got the uh, I've got the Queen Song bicycle race going around in my head when I look at that picture. But uh, <laughs> well, Paul uh, Paul Trick has put in the chat room that uh, it, the the airship looks like a giant bottom. 
Uh, indeed, yes, indeed. <laughs> Bicycle. Bicycle. Yes. Indeed. <laughs> yeah, Mike. Yeah, Mike has just put in the chat room. Mike has just put in the chat room that someone's got a mobile phone near them. That's uh, yeah. That, that was yes, Matt. No, I, he's, no, um, I've done that. He's Sorry, just put I it on think... flight mode. There we go. Yes. Yeah. I think it's stopped. Is it all right now? Yeah, it's okay now. Yeah, yeah. If it was an iPhone, it would have probably have uh, spontaneously combusted, and uh, Matt would be now warming himself by it. Honestly, honestly. <laughs> no, I'm you not just I'd, terrible uh, human beings sometimes. <laughs> so next, next story. <laughs> on the... Yes, the next story, yes, quickly before uh, we all end up in trouble. This is on the Air Insight website, and it's a commercial aviation consultancy, uh, whatever that means. Anyway, Cathay Pacific's first A350-900 completed its maiden flight today in Toulouse. The aircraft next enters the final phase of production for cabin completion with more ground checks and test flights before being prepared for delivery in uh, 2016. The aircraft will be uh, the first of 48 A350 XWBs for Cathay Pacific and uh, Cathay Pacific's A350 XWB uh, fleet plan includes 22 A350-900s and 26 A350-1000s. Uh, conversations with people in the know tell us that the A350-1000 is moving along at a faster clip than the Dash 900 did. Uh, Airbus is benefiting as its A350 assembly team and supply chain deploy lessons learned from the Dash 900 to the 1000. Uh, just as we have seen at Boeing with the 787-9 versus the Dash 8, um, we're learning across the entire supply chain and typically are running much, much better. Uh, which is why for Airbus and Cathay, this first delivery is so important. Cathay has the third largest number of A350-1000s on order after uh, Qatar or Qatar Airways <laughs> and United. Uh, Cathay's first A350 is running late, but the follow-on aircraft should be more on time than, and the 1000 even more so. So it's no, good news good for Cathay news. Pacific then. And as you say, it's important. I think, you know, they've obviously learnt lessons from, from when they started building the Dash 900. So mm. it's, uh, it's all good. Cathay Pacific have been going since 1946, Matt. Goodness me. Yeah, 1946 Goodness. Uh, with their hubs at Hong Kong International Airport. Um, but uh, their, uh, their slogan, their company slogan, um, which they use, is yeah. uh, Life Well Travelled. Well, I think that I think that ought to be a a, 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 a sort of theological idea that you adopt. I would imagine, Carlos. Oh yeah, life is better well travelled. <laughs> that's for sure. Yeah. Yes, and also at two thousand feet. Yeah, you know, with all these airlines <laughs> buying all these new aircraft, Matt. All these new aircraft we talk about each week. You know, it, it's. Um, yeah. I wonder where all these old aircraft are going. The poor things. They'll all be sent out to the uh, to the deserts. Yeah, being stalled. Yeah, they're, they're all being turned into unique places for men to build their caves. Oh, you know. Matt. Yeah. That, you know, you've got you, 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 that would be a perfect man cave, wouldn't it, for oh, you yeah. especially? Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. I think Gemma, Gemma worries about the day she'll come home and there'll be uh, the the, the uh, cockpit section of a of a seven three seven in the garden. <laughs> and let's be honest, that is a realistic concern. Uh, <laughs> it is very realistic because I do actually yes. find myself on eBay looking at things like that. To be fair, oh dear. <laughs> oh dear. Yeah. Well, you know, I mean, one one day soon, obviously, when we've both won the lottery, and we will have our own custom-built um, man cave that's 
it's made out of one of those things that becomes our studio. Oh yeah, you see yeah. That's, that's, well, that's the dream. I fully intend on winning the uh, winning the Euro Millions and having my own flight simulator uh, in you know in in a big in a big building. You know. Fully, oh fully yeah, emotional. was it you? Was it you that posted that photo? Yes, photo it on was. Facebook, wasn't it? Yes, that was truly the most amazing. How on earth somebody built that? I don't know. Oh, it was awesome. stunning. It was. Yeah, every home should have one. Definitely. Yeah. <laughs> So next story anyway, on the yes. aviationnews.eu site, and the headline, GE Capital Aviation Services delivers, uh, delivers a new Boeing 737-800 to OK Airways. <laughs> you love this one, Matt, don't you? I do, I do. It's the name. Sorry, so, uh, explain why in a minute. So GE Capital Aviation Services, or GCAS, the commercial aircraft leasing and financing arm of GE today announced the delivery of a new leased Boeing 737-800 to Chinese airline OK Airways to expand the carrier's <laughs> fleet. OK Airways has, uh, operates a fleet of more than 30 aircraft from its base in Tianjin, uh, providing scheduled cargo and passenger services to domestic and international destinations. So there we yes. go, Matt. There's a little picture there as well, um, which there we, we is, can bring yes, up. Yeah. But uh, that's not in the OK air. That's in actual GCAS's no, colours there. Uh, but it does show yeah, a 737 dash I suppose it's an opportunity to do a bit of shameless plugging, isn't it? So oh, yeah. they, can, uh, they can do that. But it just makes me <laughs> laugh. That name makes me laugh every single time. Because it's like, you know, it's like, did you have a good flight? Like, yeah, it was OK. <laughs> you know, <laughs> it's, just, it's, it's OK, Airways. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, uh, I'm just looking at the, the OK Airways. I think we've talked about them before, but they were founded. Yeah, in we they were actually founded in 2004, um, mm. and they've got 32 aircraft in their fleet with 50 destinations. So it's not, you know, it's, it's quite a good, good little airline. Yeah, I think. Okay. yeah no, that, that's uh, that's OK. OK, it's OK. <laughs> yeah, it, it's OK. It'll it'll do. <laughs> It'll do for the moment. Anyway, on to, before we end up being sued, on to the final story final in the commercial story. section. And this is on aviationnews.eu. And the headline is, First Airbus craft produced in the US takes flight. So this is exciting news for the US. So this is uh, headlined on the 21st of March 2016. The first Airbus aircraft produced in the US manufacturing facility has flown for the first time. The A321, uh, destined for JetBlue, took off from, the Mobile Aeroplex at Brooklyn in Mobile, Alabama at 9.36am, performed its test sequences and landed safely at 1.02pm. Uh, the aircraft was flown by test pilots Mark McCullins and Bruce McDonald. Uh, they were accompanied on the flight by test, uh, flight test engineers Thierry Cross and Nick Picconi and ground test engineers stroke cabin specialists Alexander Gentz and Mike Johns. The flight lasted 3 hours and 26 minutes during which tests were performed on systems, engines and structure performance. More than 300 employees who work at the facility cheered as the plane took off. We've come to an exciting milestone in the production of any aircraft but this one is particularly special said Daryl Taylor, Vice President and General Manager of the Airbus US Manufacturing Facility. The mobile team has worked hard and I'm proud of their skills and talent and have brought us up to, that have brought us up to this moment. Together we are fulfilling the promise we made to the city of Mobile, the state of Alabama and the Gulf Coast region. We're creating a new centre for commercial aircraft production in the 
US. This is just the first of many aircraft to come. Following the maiden flight, the aircraft will go through a few more weeks in final production before being delivered to JetBlue. The A321 is the largest member of the A320 family, offering passengers state-of-the-art cabin design, wider seats and superior comfort, whilst air- airlines benefit from the unique operational flexibility of Airbus's single-aisle aircraft. With a range of up to 7,400 kilometres, that's 4,000 nautical miles, the A321 is able to fly longer routes as for, uh, as, for example, Europe to the US. The A320 family is the world's best-selling single-aisle aircraft uh, product line with over 12,400 orders and close to 6,700 aircraft delivered to some 300 customers worldwide. Yeah, and Captain Al would love this because he's an A321 pilot. Is he? Yeah, I think he'd love to get his hands on uh, one of the Neos because yeah. the, the Neos have got the uh, new, that's obviously new engine option. They've got new uh, engine option, yeah. they've got huge engines on these, um, which are very powerful indeed. So it'll be um, mm-hmm. be nice to see uh, if we can uh, catch up with Al and uh, see if uh, if yep. Royal, Royal we'll... Jet are, uh, are thinking of getting any of these uh, aircraft in their fleet. Yeah. No, it's exciting times. We've got lots of good guests to look forward to coming have, up very soon. Yeah, we? yeah, we certainly have. So uh, that is where we're going to bring the commercial side of things to a close. We've got uh, some military yep. news uh, coming up. We haven't got a segment from Pip this week. Uh, nope. Pip's been a bit busy, um, but we, uh, mm-hmm. we're definitely going to get a segment from him uh, for next week's show. Um, so we have awesome. got some military news and uh, just a little smidgen of, uh, of, um, of a little air show news. And uh, oh, yeah, and then we're uh, then we're gonna uh, then we're gonna close the show up uh, with uh, with the goodbyes as usual. But uh, so we're gonna come back to you uh, right after these messages. Find this and other great shows at the Aviation Media Network. The Voices in Your Head dot com. The Plain Talking UK podcast is a voluntary project that aims to keep you informed with the latest aviation-related stories from news buyers across the globe. Producing our content does cost money, though. If you enjoy our show, why not help us keep on the air by making a donation towards the server and website hosting fees through PayPal? Any contributions would be greatly appreciated. Are you an Amazon user? If so, why not do your shopping through the link on our website? There's no cost to yourself, and Amazon pays us a small referral fee on qualifying purchases. To find out more about the show and to meet the team, take yourself to our website website www.plaintalkinguk.com or find us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash plaintalkinguk on Twitter via at plaintalkinguk or get in touch via email on podcast at plaintalkinguk.com Thanks Thanks for for listening. listening. Aviation media has long been the domain of the newspapers and magazines. Well, not anymore. I'm Steve Vischer. And I'm Grant McCarran, and we're bringing aviation right into your radio. Yes, we're making aviation cool and interesting for everyone. Hang on, aviation's always been cool. Check this out. How cool is this? Grant, Grant, turn that down. 
Here at Plane Crazy Down Under, we've got pilots, engineers, air traffic controllers, industry leaders, even politicians dropping by to talk to us about the amazing world of aviation right here in Australia and occasionally in New Zealand as well. Wow, that's cooler than I thought, mate. Find us at planecrazydownunder.com, on iTunes, or lurking about on other people's podcasts just like this one. We've got crazy accents and lots of great aviation content. And we promise not to talk about the cricket. No, never. Not the cricket. Quack, 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 quack. <laughs> what is cricket anyhow? Something we win a lot. Oh, there we oh. go. <laughs> and we're back. Hello. We certainly are. So, <laughs> oh, you're, you're still you're still with us, then, Matt. Over there in I am, sunny I think Scotland. so, yes. I've got fingers and toes all crossed with knots yeah. tied and anything else I can manage on a warm day, hoping for the best. Excellent. <laughs> so we, we've had a question in the chat room. How is the Earl Grey Fund coming along? It's, 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 yeah, it's, yeah, it's, it's coming along. It's coming along. It is, yeah. Yeah, it's absolutely. coming along. If, uh, if, uh, as, we, as we always say, if, uh, if there is anyone else in, uh, in the world of podcastarium that uh, would like to, uh, to be a pat- become a patron, it would be uh, really yeah. awesome. Um, just moving yep. my camera down. There we go. Sorry, it's my fault. I'm being being <laughs> being talked to here by our uh, by our technical uh, wizard here in the studio. But yes, there we go. Yes, yes, yes. It's a, it's nice to know actually because I'm forever telling you off because you keep moving your camera halfway through the show. So it's nice to know that you know but, that Bert is doing equally as a a bossier job as me. It's it's nice to know you're in safe hands. <laughs> yeah. So for for those of you who wondered, uh, obviously because we with the Patreon thing that we have. Um, um, obviously, because uh, a lot of the shows and stuff do the Patreon thing, is it's kind of a way of everyone um, helping towards the costs of running the show. And uh, just yep. for, for any of you who wondered what uh, we uh, used our latest um, patronage uh, uh, money for, for from last month, uh, we actually up, upgraded our uh, VMix program, the program that uh, Matt knows way more about than me, uh, that we use for the, for the visuals of the show. Yes. Uh, we upgraded the program to an HD version, which means we'll now be able, well, we sh- we'll be able to now um, do the show um, from the cameras in the studio here in, in 720, I think it's Matt, 720? That's correct. Yeah, yeah. One of the program is capable of uh, 1080, but uh, uh, to be honest, we'll be pushing our luck. I think, given our broadband <laughs> connections, to, to try anything else. So it, it's nice. It just gives a slightly clearer picture. It gives yeah. it gives me as the editor more facilities uh, as well. And uh, that's all down. Thank you very much to everyone who who's is a been, patron, who's been a patron, because we have you to thank for for enabling us to do yeah. that. So yeah, no, thank you very much. If you want to uh, be a patron, take yourself to the Patreon website uh, and just search on there for Plain Talking UK and uh, as I say any donations no matter how small are greatly appreciated from us all yeah the uh, the next uh, batch of uh, patron donations that we get uh, are probably going to be used to to go towards the equipment cost and stuff um, and the few bits that we need to uh, get for the Royal International Air Tattoo and Farnborough for this year Indeed. Yes, absolutely. Because uh, we're, we're needing to help out because we've got, to, as I'm sure you know, we've got our American uh, yeah. uh, cousins, I suppose, for a want of a better word, coming coming along. Fing- and, fingers crossed. Uh, we, we're going to we're going to try. Matt is going to uh, do his wonderful thing that he does every time, and yep. uh, Matt is going to attempt, or we are going to attempt to to do a live show from yep. Farnborough with the uh, guys from APG, yep. which will be awesome. 
Um, myself and, and the legend that is Neville have, have been scheming this week about a way of possibly doing that. So it's all very exciting. Yes. Anyway, enough so of on. this. So we're going to kick off with some military news. So if you're ready, <laughs> so we're going to kick off with the military news then. So let's go. Let's be a show if we didn't have a little bit of an, a, a technical <laughs> faux pas. I mean, really? Absolutely. Come on. Look. So first story <laughs> then on the Flight Global site and the headline Lockheed F-35 service life extended to 2070. Wow. The projected life of the F-35 Lightning II has been extended by six years to 2070 after the U.S. military services tweaked the number of flight hours their fleet should log before retirement. According to the Pentagon's Selected Acquisition Report, SAR, published on the 25th of March, the total cost of developing, uh, building, basing, operating and maintaining 2,457 aircraft has increased by 6.8% to $1.5 trillion. And I said trillion wow. there with a T. Compared, That's a um, <laughs> uh, compared to one year ago. The bulk of that increase is attributed to the U.S. Air Force, which has altered the assumed number of hours that each of its uh, conventional variant F-35As will fly in its lifetime. Consequently, the operational life of each jet has been extended by two years, culminating in a six-year life cycle extension from 2064 to 2070. The U.S. Air Force added 1.3 million flight hours to its 1,763-strong fleet forecast, while the Navy added 300,000 to its fleet. According to a statement by the F-35 Joint Program Office, these adjustments have been, public, uh, been pushed uh, the estimate operating and support uh, costs up of the F-35 by $45 billion in base year 2012 dollars. If not for these life extensions and flight hour additions, the operating service estimates would have shown a reduction of $22 billion, the program office says. Uh, the F-35 Chief Lieutenant uh, General Christopher Bogdan is pushing for a reduction in both procurement and long-term operating costs for the F-35 and is targeting a 30% reduction in uh, OS costs uh, well, compared to the current estimate, which stands at $1 trillion for 2,457 F-35s. He's also pushing to reduce the cost per AJET model to between 80 and $85 million by 2019. Uh, these numbers are steadily declining according to the 2015 Selected Acquisition Report. The flyaway cost of the F-35A, including the aircraft, uh, engine and contractor fee, decreased by 2% to $100.6 uh, million in 2015, whereas the F-35C declined 4.1% to $110.7 million. The short takeoff vertical landing F-35B unit cost declined 2.5% to $122.9 million. Wow. 
That's a heck of a lot of money, yeah. that is. But no, it it's, is, it's I, good they're extending the line. I suppose if you, take into consideration, if you take into consideration the fact that it's, um, you know, over what we took it, I mean, there's another 55 years, essentially, isn't it? 2070, was it? It said that it's going to remain yeah, in service yeah. for. So if you, take, if you take that into consideration, actually, you know, when we're talking numbers in the trillions, I, I guess, uh, you know, if you break that down on a year-by-year -year basis, it's actually not that bad. It just it just sounds like a terrifying number if you say it out loud really quickly. No, but we we we're hopefully we'll just we shall uh, see these at React this year. They are they are definitely um, coming to React apparently according to uh, wow. the Airshow report. So sounds, um, yeah, be great to see fantastic. these aircraft close up. Indeed. On to the next story then. This is on flightglobal.com and the headline is UK's Boeing P-8 purchase gets US tick of approval. The UK has moved a step closer to filling a maritime patrol void left by the retirement of the Nimrod MR2 in 2010 after being approved by the US State Department to acquire nine torpedo carrying Boeing P-8A Poseidons for the Royal Air Force, estimated to be worth $3.2 billion. The deal is unlikely to phase opposition from Congress during the 30-day notification period as the advanced radar-carrying submarine and surface ship hunter is already being exported to Australia and India. The US Defense Secretary Cooperation Agency announced approval of the pending foreign military sale on the 25th of March, just four months after British Prime Minister David Cameron announced the P-8A plan as part of a £178 billion pound or $270 billion investment in new military hardware. Uh, so uh, there's a picture there, I think, of the Nimrod MR2, which I think is what they just retired, was that's it? it yeah, yeah. Um, there we go. Yeah, picture and there. We'll uh, stick that on the screen. There we go. There's a Nimrod. Yeah, that, that's what they just retired, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Well, we retired yeah. a few years back now. Yeah. Very silly. Yeah, indeed. Tra yeah, in 2010. Yeah. So the Ministry of Defence opted to sole source the nation's lapsed maritime patrol need to the Boeing 737 uh, based P 8 over European and Asian alternatives, such as the C 295 based solution put forward by Airbus Defence and Space and the Kawasaki P 1. Now, we, didn't we see the Kawasaki P 1? We at did. React? Yeah, that was at React. Yeah. We saw that close up with the crew. That was uh, yeah, one. one that was an impressive nice craft, yeah, actually. That nice, looked yeah. really, really, really nice, didn't it? Uh, so since uh, di divesting the uh, Nimrod and abandoning its intended replacement, the BAE Systems Nimrod MRA4, the UK has retained its airborne maritime patrol and reconnaissance competency by embedding RAF crews with um, Australian, Canadian, New Zealand and American forces. A Nimrod replacement has remained the United Kingdom's highest priority unfunded requirement, uh, the DSCA notes. Uh, in, if the acquisition in, fi in finalised, the top tier contractors will be uh, Viasat, GC Micro, Rockwell Collins, Spirit Aero Systems, Raytheon, Telephonics, uh, Pole Zero, Northrop Grumman, Excelsis, uh, Terma, uh, Symmetrix, uh, and on prior aerospace and General Electric and Martin Baker. Ah, excellent. It'd be nice to have something in the skies in the UK for our maritime um, surveillance stuff because, like I said, we haven't got anything at the moment. Mm -mm. Uh, not yep. since the uh, Nimrod was retired. And uh, so it's a bit of a shame. But if you remember, Matt, at the Norwich Aviation Museum, 
Uh, we had one of these Nimrods uh, there to, to look round. Well, that was, that was going to be our backup studio. That wasn't was, it? yeah, if, yeah, if we that was. Get everything into the because we were a bit concerned if we could get everything into the Vulcan, and I'm not, I'm not going to lie, it was a tight squeeze. <laughs> <laughs> So the next story then on uh, the military news segment is on the Flight Global site and the headline KC-390 regains flight test momentum. So four months after the Embraer KC-390's first test flight in February 2015, Embraer finally acknowledged the aircraft had still not attempted a second flight. It seemed worrying, a worrying development, not unlike the nine-month pause that followed shortly after the first flight of the Bombardier CRJ-1000 regional jet in 2009. As Bombardier! Bombardier! <laughs> oh, you had to drop that one in. As, uh, as Embraer's rival worked to resolve a software problem with the fly-by-wire controlled rudder, so the KC-390 is packed with new technologies, including an advanced fly-by-wire system with active side-stick controllers, and Embraer's first exposure to a cargo ramp door and in-flight refueling system. As the wait for the KC-390's test, uh, flight test campaign to resume continued, there were questions uh, had over Embraer overextended itself with the largest and most complex aircraft development program in Brazilian history. One year later, the answer to those questions is clear. The flight test pause is now understood as a result of a fi uh, fiscal crisis within the Brazilian government, uh, which is funding the $1.8 billion development program. Amid a continuing economic uh, recession, the Air Force was also strapped for cash and has fallen more than $270 million in arrears in payments to Embraer for the KC-390 development program as of last August. An agreement signed by Embraer and the Air Force um, that month established a, a schedule for the Air Force to catch up on payments over the next three years, allowing the KC-390 test campaign to be reactivated. Embraer resumed flight tests of the KC-390 on the 26th of October after eight months' hiatus, and the budget-imposed delay had forced the airframer to postpone the operational debut of the tanker transport by year to 2018. It seemed possible uh, as their first flight last February that the KC-390 could make a regional debut at the, uh, the FIDA uh, air show. Uh, but that was ruled out when the flight test campaign paused over funding pressures. But the KC-390 could still make a public debut later this year, perhaps at the Farnborough Air Show in July. Now, that would be Yay! awesome to see this. And they are saving the surprise for later on this year, uh, said an Embraer spokesman. So we'll put up the screenshot on the screen of the KC-390. There we go. Um, I must say, the one thing that worries me about this story is... Um, that you know, fr from Embraer's point of view, do, do, is it you know a bit worrying that, that the Brazilian government are struggling to make payments? Yeah, I think I mean, the, the army, the army were funding the pro. I think the army itself, uh, the air force, are funding the um, the funding the program for Embraer to design and build this aircraft. But I if they've already got a, a payment schedule in place and they're not keeping to that, I mean, I, I mean that that sounds like. Is it just me that thinks that that's very worrying that a government is fa government or or you know the air force attached to the government is failing to make payments on time? I mean, that's a perhaps very, their direct debit was not uh, in place. Uh, perhaps, yeah, yeah. They're standing order. Or they're standing that's order. The answer. Yeah, uh, but yeah, indeed. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> so we, we've got a, we've got a very nice story for the last one, Matt. This is for you to take on the Royal we Air Force have side. Indeed. 
Yeah, slightly lighter because I mean we were hearing some very sort of sad news involving air shows and stuff at the moment, aren't we? And uh, so this is nice. This is a nice little story. This is on the RAF, uh, so it's the Royal Air Force website, and the headline is Red Arrows visit Al- Albania for the very first time. Hmm. So jets from the Royal Air Force aerobatic team performed a fly past over Tirana, that's in Albania, the first time the Red Arrows have visited the country. People watched the distinctive Red Hawk aircraft as they flew over over Mother Teresa Square on Friday, March the 18th. The Red Arrows had stopped in Albania, sorry, overnight, uh, refuelling the jets before the second leg of a flight from their base at RAF Scampton in Greece. Uh, sorry, RAF Scampton to Greece, where the aerobatic team will conduct annual pre-season training. The opportunity to transit via Tirana uh, allowed the team to meet officers from the Al- uh, Albanian Air Force and senior officials and dignitaries. One of the roles of the Red Arrows is defence engagement and the visit further developed relations between the UK and other uh, and another NATO partner. Squadron leader David Monte- Monte- Montenegro... Montenegro. Uh, Montenegro, sorry, the team leader of the Royal Air Force aerobatic team said the Red Arrows were delighted to visit Albania for the first time where we were made to feel very welcome. It is always an honour for the team to fly to new, no- new locations to represent both the Royal Air Force and the United Kingdom and further strengthen links with partners. During their overnight stay in Tirana, the British Embassy... Um, held a reception in honour of the Red Arrows where the team met Minister of Defence uh, Code Haley, uh, the Deputy Prime Minister of something I'm not even going to attempt to pronounce, and Al- Albanian military personnel. Stephen Hickling, the British Charged Affairs, emphasised the very good uh, bilateral cooperation on defence and security between the United Kingdom and Albania. Defence Minister uh, Cody spoke of the UK and Albania, sorry, facing future challenges as confident NATO partners. And UK Defence Lieutenant Colonel Richard Parry noted the opportunities for Albanian cadets to study and train in the foremost UK military colleges, such as the Royal Navy College at Dartmouth, the uh, Royal Military Academy at Sandhurst, the Royal Air Force at Cranwell, and the Royal Marines uh, Commando Centre. Uh, for the next five weeks, the Red Arrows will complete, uh, so will operate from uh, Tangra uh, and, and Hellenic Air Force Base as they prepare for the 2016 season. Yeah. This annual training is known as Exercise Springhawk. Now this is nice. I like these stories when you, you know we get yeah. to see that you know our guys, the Royal Air Force, you know the Red Arrows, yeah. going you know. Obviously, they're going on their training thing, but they're, they're making they're mm. sort of taking the time out to you know to do the fly past here in Albania, yeah. and uh, we've got a picture there actually on the screen. If we bring that up mm. um, for those of you in the chat room, you'll be able to see uh, the guys there flying over the square. And there's also another picture. Mm. I'll just move this up here. There we go. That's the uh, the uh, red arrows as they fly over Mother Teresa Square, and that was on the 18th Wonderful, of March. Isn't it? Yeah, and it's nice. It's, it's great. It's, you know, it's great. To, you know, it just it obviously promotes the Royal Air Force and the Red Arrows, but also, it, mm. you know, it's a, a kind of a sign that, you know, it, it's for everyone. You know, it's not, it's not just it is, um, yeah. for, for everyone at air shows. Well, and, and and it's all it's all good relations at the end of the day, isn't it? I mean, uh, you know, the Red Arrows are world-renowned for what they do, and, uh, you know, it, it means just as much 
to other countries when when the Red Arrows come to visit as it does to us when they come and see us, you know, at the various air, air shows that we go to. I mean, they are, they are a, it's a wonderful service, isn't it? It's a wonderful, yeah. wonderful thing to watch. So that, and one, one of the few, one of the few images that will always stay with me, uh, and that was when we were at Riyadh and um, oh. to have the Vulcan uh, being surrounded by the Red Arrows. I mean, that that was just magical, wasn't it? I mean, it was yeah. just, it was, it was a once in a lifetime, just, just mind blowing, brilliant. Yeah, that's definitely that's one of the photos I had on my um, my picture album, mm. my made up photo book of, uh, of yeah. Riyadh. So yeah, very good indeed. Oh, we look forward to that again this year as well, because we'll both, uh, yeah, we'll both be hopefully, well, yeah. fingers crossed. I, you know, I've, I've uh, mm. managed to, to uh, bribe your boss uh, a bit. Uh, so yeah, good luck with that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> poor, poor Glenn. It's uh, it's uh, twenty two minutes past midnight with Glenn at the moment. Oof. It's Sunday morning Dude. already. Well, it's just as well we've more or less reached the end of the show, then, isn't it? Because now he can go to bed. Yes. Well, well I've, I've decided that uh, we've got some air show, a bit of air show news. What I thought was just for a change, we'd have um, uh, the air show uh, news for other air shows in Europe, as in uh, not just Ooh. in the UK, because uh, we do have a lot yep. of European listeners. Um, so, uh, so I'm looking at uh, April um, in Europe uh, for air shows. So, on in April on the twentieth, twentieth uh, and twenty third. Or twentieth to the twenty third of April, we've got the uh, and I hope I pronounce these right. If I don't, apologies. Uh, the Aero Friedrichshafen in Germany. Um, there's an air show there. On the twenty third and twenty fourth of April, uh, the Red Bull Air Race is at Spielberg in Austria. Uh, that, so do you know awesome. that's one of the few things I'd love to go and see oh, is the yes. is the Red Bull air racing and stuff. I mean, it's uh, I know Grant McCarran, he uh, from um, the Australian. Oh, they have uh, Matt Hall on their show quite a lot. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, Bull, yeah. It, it's fantastic. As I say, we 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 ought we ought to look into that. I think. So on the twenty third as well of April, there's the Heli Weekend for those of you who like um, those strange things with blades that go round on top. Um, helicopters. So I don't oh, know anyone you want to fly those? Oh, excuse me, excuse me, Mr. <laughs> fixed wing enthusiast. Yeah. So yeah, well, that's on the heli weekend. Lots of trouble. Uh, that's at Grenchen Airport in Grenchen, Switzerland, uh, on the twenty third of April, and on the thirtieth to the first of May, uh, it's the Den V Vudshu um, Plazi. Den V Vud Vudshu Plazi. Uh, in Plazi, Czech Republic, uh, there's an air show there. I'll, I'll probably pronounce that wrong, but there we go. So there's just a few in April there for uh, for well for the European air shows because don't forget air shows are all around the world, just not in the UK. Um, yeah. But uh, it'd be nice to go to a few different air shows around the world. But obviously, ah, money restraints and work commitments do Indeed. not allow, Absolutely. unfortunately. So. We are going to bring episode 105 to a close of the show. I'll tell you what, now, now that we're at the end of the show, right, I'm going go to try something here. Oh, all right, no. We're going to go for a little walk because I want to show you all this view. So okay, here we go. Watching, for those of you in the chat room. On, yeah, if you are watching on YouTube, then uh, you can actually see where I'm staying. So just bear with me a moment. Hello. Sorry, ladies and gentlemen, just going to... Uh, Yes, we're just going to have a quick. So, 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 well, welcome to where I'm staying. This is. I'm just going to put it behind me. Look. There we go. Can you see that? All right. I can see you. Can you see that? Ah, yes, we can see that now. Yeah, yeah, I got that. Look at that. Hey, eh? it's a terrible thing to wake up to every morning, isn't it? 
It looks. <laughs> it look. It actually looks less windy there, and it is here. I think it is actually at the moment. It is not nowhere near as windy as it was, but uh, it was. It was a bit fierce overnight. It has to be said. <laughs> so you look. You look anyway. rather rural there, Matt. It is, yes. That's that's really the reason for being a bit nervous because uh, I I, I went up to I went to the hotel up the road because we when when we were testing this last night we were struggling a bit with uh, uh, our connection where we're not, Carlos. It was quite funny. Matt, Uh, Matt looked like a Minecraft, like a a character from Minecraft. But uh, (laughs) yes, I went to the hotel up the road thinking, oh well, I'll just you know you know buy buy a token and, and. Use their thing, and it was. I did the line test, and it was 0.5 megabits. So wow. it was really, it was actually worse than trying to do it with a mobile phone. So anyway, uh, I think we got away with it. Will you? Will you not agree? Yeah, I think we've had a, a reasonably tech issue free episode. Yep. Considering you're not nothing in the a, studio, nothing a little editing won't sort. But out. I would just like to thank in, in in a massive way to to Rob, who's sitting next to me here in the studio, who's been doing all the technical stuff here today so a big thank you to rob for uh, for yeah. coming and joining us here in the conservatory studio uh, you've yeah, done you've you done rob. an awesome job so thanks rob and enjoy your easter eggs thank you. <laughs> and now i can say because he, he doesn't he, he he's a bit camera shy for some reason but but he's he's the guy that also does the voices oh, oh micah micah's just put uh, in the chat room he's put are you on ee again uh, this time in scotland yes, yes i am Yes, yes, I am. Yeah, it, yeah, it's the only network that's any good in the UK, I think, uh, Mike. So. <laughs> it seems to be a little bit that way. Even, even uh, I, I tried, I tried Vodafone three and EE, and it was the one that gave gave us gave me the most reliable connection. So, uh, so yeah, we just about got away with it. Fingers crossed for next week. <laughs> Everyone in the chat room is just sort of saying, well done, Rob. Great job, Rob. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Good. Well yeah, we're, very, we're very proud of him. We're very proud of him. Yes. Well, we bet, we, we better I'm going to go back to my holiday now. So, um... so we're going we're gonna to reconvene <laughs> next weekend, aren't we, Matt? We're going to do another show we are, next weekend. Yeah. Um, possibly we might be a little bit early, about half an hour earlier, I think. Yeah, because, I think uh, we're, we're looking about half, about no, half no, nine. No, yeah, half week, nine so. next week. Um, I've got to do, go and do a, a, a wonderful family photo shoot. Um, with babies involved, which um, I'm really looking Ooh. forward to. <laughs> can you not take some aeroplanes? Can you, can you go and stand in some aeroplanes instead? I should do. I'm going to wear my best air aviation T-shirt, actually, I think. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. 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 And, and I know he will. That's, that's the funny thing, listeners. I know he will. <laughs> so anyway, right, we're going to bring the show to a close end. So a massive thanks to everyone who's joined us in the chat room um today um massive thanks to loads of you've been in the chat room uh too many names to mention but you know who you are you're in the chat room listening to me and matt right now so thank you to you for you all for joining us today for episode 105 uh, don't forget uh, you can uh, contact us and send us some feedback uh, we need yes, some please. feedback uh, so where matt can people find us Right, loads of places to choose from. The main one, obviously, is our website. That is www.plaintalkinguk.com. To email the show uh, and to send in your audio feedback, uh, that's podcast at plaintalkinguk.com. Facebook is facebook.com forward forward splash. (laughs) Again, splashing. (laughs) Forward splash, plaintalkinguk. And our Twitter handle, it's at plaintalkinguk. So you can find us on there, and don't forget to send in your feedback and all your bits and pieces and anything else. You can uh, put uh, put some uh, feedback on Facebook as well. We like yep. to hear you on there. So that's where we're going to bring the uh, show to a close. 
of the Plain Talking UK podcast. Thanks again to everyone for joining us. Don't forget to catch us on iTunes as well. Download if you're on iTunes and you do download a show through iTunes. Um, don't forget to leave us a little bit of feedback on iTunes as well on the uh, review page. You can uh, leave a little comment on there and uh, tell us how much you either hate us all or, or love us. Really, I hope it's hate, um, not. No, I'm yeah. sure you all love us. Um, I'm not a massive. I'm not. I'm not a massive fan of hate mail. It has to be said. No, no. no. <laughs> Please do that. Uh, yeah, it, it helps to uh, to boost us up on the iTunes search function there. If you just leave us a little review, that would be awesome. But other than that... Actually, it's probably oh. just worth mentioning. Oh, yes. um, episode 101 on uh, on the iTunes library. We, we did a, an interview with a chap by the name of Keith Shergold, who is uh, a pilot who flies in Alaska and things like that. Uh, now, for some reason, on iTunes, that episode has never appeared. Which We're not bizarre. quite sure why, um, so uh, but it, it does seem to be available from all other podcast yeah. sources. So we don't know yeah. quite what happened with iTunes. I have written to them and they've not come back to me. But uh, there is an episode one hundred and one. I there promise is. you, yeah. and it is worth watching and or listening to because he sent us some great video clips um, about it. So we don't know quite know what happened there. So if if you haven't listened to or seen episode one hundred and one, I promise you it is available. Uh, uh, just just maybe try another uh, podcast vendor and you should find it with no problem I could make a comment there but it's um, it's it might offend some people who use iPhones yes, yes, um, so yes, and, and, and all other episodes are still available from there so uh, don't upset them please no I won't I won't <laughs> Well, that is it then. We better uh, better uh, better finish better wrap up, the yep. uh, wrap up the show then. So thanks again to everyone for joining us in the chat room and taking the time out of your day to join us. Have a great weekend, an Easter weekend. Uh, yeah. Hope you uh, hope you don't eat too many Easter eggs um, because it's uh, it's obviously bad for you. And um, you can send them into us in the show, and we'll eat them for you. Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> so from me, Carlos, then, it is a rather windy and blustery, and I think it's just start to rain or not. No, it's still dry. <laughs> uh, goodbye and take care, everyone. So goodbye from me. And from me here in just outside the lovely village of Kenmore uh, in gorgeous, gorgeous Scotland, it is also, it is also goodbye. Goodbye. <laughs> <laughs>